0: trauma everyone has it no one talks about it it seems easier to stay silent ignore it or stuff it than it does to honor it learn from it and finally heal trauma is debilitating yet so often we suffer in silence trauma is not meant to be battled alone and we are no longer going to suffer in silence together we are creating a safe place to speak to share our stories and grow our strength as we heal together we are giving a voice to those who have been silenced bringing darkness into light and letting God use our stories today we find ourselves again we relight our spark and let it light up the world Stop Sis is a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating on issues of trauma and trafficking, as well as the amazing power of the healing journey. Welcome to Stop Sis. Hey, 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 you guys. Big welcome back to Stop Sis, Stop Suffering in Silence. I, my name is Denise Walsh, and I am here with co host Rachel Timothy. Uh, And as you know, Stopsys is truly a place for survivors to, and, and community members really, to learn about the effects of trauma and steps for the healing journey. And so today we are going to talk about an experience or several experiences we had over this past weekend. Uh, that reminded us that not everybody gets it. That's the <laughs> way to put it. <laughs> so first, let's talk a bit about the event that we were at and why we decided to talk about it today because we learned, I learned some things. Um, now, most of the time when Rachel and I hang out, it's either on Zoom, on the phone or at an event, right? Because we live in different states. And so when we're at an event, the goal of the event is for Rachel to share her story and so she shares her story and we talk a bit about the healing journey and people typically come up to her and share their story they are like in tears after hearing her experience you know and so i realized this weekend that i haven't like hung out with you in outside an event of an event really yeah and so i didn't Anyway, so we went to this, this was an event. We went to an event this weekend, but it was more of an expo where we had a booth and people came up and we told them a bit about what steps this was and how it supports, it educates about trauma and trafficking and supports those on a healing journey. And so this was the first time, Rachel, that I got to see people's response from just the introduction of trafficking mm-hmm. in the United States. Yeah, so was before we jump into what people said, tell me a little bit about like how this, I'm sure this was kind of normal for you. I don't know. (laughs) No, that's kind of what was funny is, yeah, every response
1: kind of was something I was used to, but then seeing your response to their response kind of reminded me like, oh, you know, maybe this isn't what you would expect. I don't know. Like, it was interesting for me to see your response to how inappropriate their response was because it it has become something I'm used to. Like I, I've learned to kind of almost ignore
0: it. Right. And I don't know that anyone was trying to be rude, but it oh. was just fascinating to me to see the human nature's response, like the response when you don't know what to say. And so people would come up to the booth and we would say, yes, we're stop Cysts. This is what we do. And then we would show open blind eyes and say, "This is Rachel's experience of, in trafficking in her life." And they would go, "This is your story," mm-hmm. and she would say, "Yes, hi." And then um, they would almost always bring it back to themselves
1: or the border. What's happening? Oh, well, yeah, and what know. they know?
0: Yeah. So they would say, "Oh, I know about oh, trafficking." What you know? They'd bring it back to the Texas border. Mm-hmm. Um, or they would say, "Oh, I know. If, I know someone who was trafficked. Do you know them? Yeah. <laughs> like I know. I know someone from Michigan. Do you know them?" <laughs> so again, they like brought it back to themselves and just basically said, "Oh, I learned about trafficking once, or I know this piece of trafficking." Mm-hmm. And to me, it felt like number one, they didn't know what to say, but number two, it was a little bit. Um, I want to say it wasn't i mean how do you say it it wasn't emotionally thoughtful yeah. like how would you describe it yeah well and i remember
1: one guy's response was well, what should, what do you think about those who are making up that they're being trafficked you know yeah. that was his first response like um okay like let's go there because <laughs> it, it it was just odd responses and you just didn't know what was going to come out of somebody's mouth But usually it was not a thoughtful moment of, holy cow, you went through what? Can I learn more? Because I have kids, too. Um, You know, where did this happen? How did you get out? Like, I want to understand because this is a problem. It was just, this is what I know. Let me get out of this conversation as quickly as I can so I can move on to the next booth because now I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) That's what it feels like.
0: Right. It felt like we, you know, Rachel's sharing a little bit of her story. I mean, not even sharing, just like, hey, this is my story. This book is my story. And they would almost always start talking about themselves. (laughs) Now, there were a few people that had more helpful responses. And those were the people that instead of bringing it back to themselves and what they know and what they've understood and what they've learned in the past, they brought it back to you. And they said, I'm so sorry you experienced that. Tell me more. Yep. And that to me was a much more emotionally sound, (laughs) like a mature, I don't know the word, but like it was a helpful response because it gave you a chance to go a little bit deeper and for them to really understand.
1: Yeah, it was more personal at that point. And you could tell they were okay with the heaviness and not uncomfortable by the topic. They really just cared what for what I
0: went through, right? They really just wanted to hear more of your story. And what I learned in that moment is that this response needs to be taught mm-hmm. because apparently it's not natural. <laughs> Most of these people just immediately brought it back to them. And so the response of, oh my gosh, I'm sorry to hear that. Tell me more if you want. You don't have to if you don't want, but you know, But if, you know, where did it happen? Tell me more about your story. How long have you been out? Like, what was your experience like? And obviously every situation is different if you're like not in a place where to go deeper, but even just to, oh my gosh, I'm sorry you experienced that. I'm glad you're here is a much more thoughtful response, I would say.
1: Oh, I agree. And honestly, like the responses that we saw, they could have been much worse. You know, I've experienced much worse. But when I go back to when I first started to say those little words of, I'm a survivor or I'm struggling or just little bits of, of whatever I was going through, um, it was the looks on people's faces was enough to make me want to crawl in a hole. Like even, even just seeing their body language, I would start to try to wonder, what are they thinking right now? Are they, judging me? Are they thinking it's my fault? Because you start to rehash all the things that have been said to you in the past by your abuser. And even just by the look on their face or by the fact that they're turning around and they're walking away, it makes you kind of reinforce those old statements.
0: Right. Right. Uh, So we pulled up a article that talks a bit about what not to say (laughs) to survivors and I think this is really important so what's number one
1: so this is from psychology today number one and I like it because it doesn't just say don't say this it says instead of saying it's in the past try you're safe now right so this could maybe work well with somebody who's in an anxiety attack maybe a panic moment they can't catch their breath Um, instead of trying to Analyze why they're responding the way they're responding or what is going on with them. Just maybe giving them a comforting feeling of, hey, you're okay. Everything's okay right here. You don't need to know what's going through their mind at that point, but you can bring them back to this present moment. Hey, you're safe. Everything's okay. Well, and I
0: was going to say too, um, oftentimes when somebody starts to experience an anxiety attack or... Because we thought not everybody goes around telling them telling stories that they're survivors but you might notice yourself if you're a survivor having anxiety or depression or social anxiety or whatever and somebody may come of speak inappropriately to you and so wh- whether you're sa- whether someone's saying yes I've had abuse in my past or they're experiencing an a, a unhealthy coping skill I think the responses would be the same you're safe you're safe. And so yesterday we had a 90 day U-turn meeting and we had a really good conversation and we're going to talk about it next week or in a couple of weeks, I think. But one of the questions, the girl, one of the girls was asking themselves when they started having this anxiety is why am I, why do I think this way? Why am I feeling this way? It's so frustrating, annoying, and I don't want to feel this way. And so a flip side to that is I'm safe. I'm safe. Mm I'm safe. And so asking yourself in the midst of the emotion is not super helpful. You want to get outside of it and then maybe you can get to the root. But in that crisis moment, I'm safe. And so if you see somebody having increased anxiety, hey, it's okay. You're safe. You're safe. Yeah. I was having a conversation with
1: Granny recently and she was saying, you know, there's a lot of people that wouldn't even classify themselves as trauma survivors, but they still have trauma and they don't even necessarily know it and they'll have those responses of anxiety. And so they maybe won't be able to have the words to tell you why. And then maybe they don't know why. Yeah. But still being compassionate in the moment and helping them come back to the present is so crucial.
0: It's just loving. It's kind. Yeah. I think sometimes we can be like, well, get over it. See you later, (laughs) which is less helpful. (laughs) Sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's another response that people give with that. And it's again, less, less helpful.
1: Yeah. So I think an interesting example is on Facebook, I had posted a journal entry that I did back in 2021, January, like it was extremely, it was a dark time and I was sharing one of those dark moments. And you know, a person's response was like, I'm sorry, but I just don't get it. Jesus is good. God is good. And we're here to be willing to die for him. I don't get why you're feeling the way that you feel. And it's like the responses like that to somebody who is just in the beginning stages of healing or just in the beginning stages of combining their healing journey with God, that makes them start to question, okay, is God really going loving me in this moment of my pain? Or is he saying the same things as this man that I just need to get over my pain and folk uh, and be willing to die for God right now? Like he's missing the heart of the person. He's missing the pain. And, and God is a God who loves on the oppressed. He wants to care for the oppressed and those in pain. And when you have an unloving response, an uncompassionate response, that's not Jesus. That's a Pharisee.
0: <laughs> well, and, and I think what he says, I don't get it, is exactly right. Like, yeah. he doesn't get it. He's not, in my opinion, someone with a high EQ who can really show empathy and uh, to somebody who's in the midst of pain. Most likely my guess would be in other situations. He just glosses over them, you know, and doesn't really actually can't connect to the heart of any person.
1: And that's the opposite of Jesus. That's the opposite of God. Like that's the first thing he does is connect with the heart. So until like, if you're going to start preaching to him, you have to first learn the heart of the person and I think another thing, too, that uh, is important in this, what you're responding to people is don't assume that you would have responded any differently than them, because that was somewhat of his response as well, that he would have done it differently. He would have just, you know, been like this uh, hero and, and taken the pain for God's glory. You don't know how you're going to handle a situation. And until you are in somebody's shoes, don't sit back and judge them. Love them where they are.
0: Right. Mic drop. I mean, there's nothing else to say because that's exactly right. So what's next? <laughs> okay, <laughs> So go to number two. <laughs> number two. Um, instead
1: of saying you need to talk about it, you need counseling, you need help. Say, I'm here to listen if you need to talk.
0: Again, I think the word need is the problem here. Mm hmm. I think that when you it's kind it sounds like pointing the finger. It's kind of like should in a way. You should XYZ. Um it's a way to put people's defenses up because nobody wants to be told what to do especially if they've tried all the things or you know they're at a rock bottom and they just want to be heard at that point. I think that the the need or the should or the pointing the fingers or Telling somebody what to do uh, is the problem. Now, I know that when you were at the rock bottom, you kind of needed someone to tell you what to do. But guess what? It was after they got to know your heart. Exactly. That is when, you know, I know granny was like, we're going to counseling. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was after she got to know you. She didn't start there. She
1: didn't start there. And I it, it was after I got to know her. Yeah. Yeah. To- I could trust her responses and I knew where she was with God and I knew he was leading her and so me being able to trust her in that moment it took time for sure
0: yeah yeah and so what's the alternative oh to say I'm here if you need Yeah to talk.
1: I'm here to listen if you need to talk and I think you know when I hear somebody say you need counseling or you need this or whatever it in my mind I'm thinking Yeah, I know, I I do, but here's all the roadblocks as to why it's going to be extremely hard for me to do that. You're not maybe wrong, but in the same sense, you don't understand all of the other things that go along with that. I don't have the money. I'm going to be taking from my kids getting to do something to go to go to counseling. You know, I'm going to literally be pulling from my kids' Christmas or my kids, you know, sports or whatever to say that I need to go to counseling. There's things around it yes, you're right,
0: but I don't have the answers to all the things around it. And so then you feel defeated. Right. Well, and it's just a kind of a trite thing to say you need, and and, and it's a classic communication style tip. Like you never start with you. <laughs> you never start with you. You always say, I feel, um, because you puts up defenses and you can't really get anywhere when someone's defenses are up. And your
1: heart may be in the right place, you know, but, so this is where we're just trying to help you have the words that a survivor needs to hear when your heart is in the right place. Right. And so the
0: alternative is I'm here if you need anyone to talk to. Yeah. is a great place. Is a great open door. Now, what if the person like, there's some of the people that came up that probably aren't able to hear what you've experienced, right? So, what if somebody doesn't really want to know, how could they respond in a way that's still helpful?
1: Still, I am so sorry you went through that. That should have never happened to you. Yeah. You know, I hope you get justice. I hope you find healing. Yeah. Okay.
0: But again, it brings it. So, it's funny because when you first brought it up and you know, people brought when you first when we first shared a bit of your story, and people connected it to them and started talking to them about themselves. It felt dismissive. Mm-hmm. It felt a bit rude. Like a more healthy or helpful response would to say would be to say, I'm sorry that happened to you. Tell me more um, and allow you a chance to kind of dig deeper. But in this situation, um, well, in fact, we're saying that that's still a healthy response. I'm sorry you went through that. And if you don't really want to hear more, then just don't say the other part. Yeah, that's true. Because I was yeah. just thinking, wait a minute, I don't want people to be selfish and start talking about themselves. But I also know that the you statements are the ones that cause defensiveness.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm, I think another thing that makes sexual abuse or sharing of a sexual assault or whatever makes people a bit more uncomfortable. And I, wholeheartedly believe this was part of our situation in this event, is that the person that's wanting, that's uncomfortable in the moment is uncomfortable most likely because they have been maybe online. They have maybe watched things they shouldn't have been watching. Like, I think there is a history of themselves of doing maybe something they shouldn't have done. And so I think that makes it's different than like if I was an amputee and, you know, you would say, oh, I'm so sorry. That is awful. I can't imagine. But when you bring it to something that maybe hits a bit closer to home. Yeah. Something that maybe they have
0: watched online. Yeah. It changes the interaction. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You're right. I think when we introduced part of your story, they were like. Mm-hmm. Wanted to run, run away, their yeah, because because they probably potentially who knows, but they could have experienced some of that, like been a perpetrator or a porn watcher or all of these things where they went,
1: oh, yeah. I think it hits their conscious a little bit. Not saying any everybody by any means, but you can see the ones where like their eyes start to dart around a little bit and they're holding their breath and. You just you can almost see a little guilty conscience come out. And what's interesting, I'm not sitting there judging them, but I can see it written all over their face. I know why they're squirming and why they want to get out of here. And the the statistically, the, the number of people who watch porn nowadays is just astronomical. And it's it's not your it's not what porn even used to be. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And minds are making it normalized and it's sad. And so when somebody shows that I was hurt in that moment of what you were watching, I mean, yeah, they're
0: going to, a good person will squirm, you know? Well, hopefully a good person isn't watching that stuff, but.
1: (laughs) Correct. But I, I think a lot of good people, it's one of their, it's one of their addictions. It's one of their struggles and they aren't necessarily proud of it. Right. So they don't know how to quit. Right. All right. So what's
0: next on the list?
1: Instead of saying things will get better. Try. I see that you're in pain. I can. I hear that you're in pain. So. it The things will get better responses. It to me feels like, OK, this is uncomfortable. I don't like that you're hurting. Can we just move forward? And by all means, I would want that. I want to move forward too. Like, I don't want to stay stuck here. Um, But I'm still having to acknowledge the fact that I have flashbacks. I have triggers. I have trauma responses. And so the pain is still very real today. And being able to see and hear that pain in my heart and in my words um, is just, it acknowledges and validates it in this moment. And yes, absolutely. I'm hoping that things will get better. They will get better but acknowledge
0: where I'm at right now too. Right, right. So a bit of both hand. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's the thing. The dismissive part is when we just skip the hurt altogether. Yeah, yeah. And, or we tell a survivor what they should be feeling, what they should be doing, how they should be handling a situation. Again, we're missing the heart. And in order to invoke change or to support someone on their change journey, the heart is first, and then you can move from there. Yeah, I agree. I think it's
1: interesting whenever um, you watch a survivor, re- like watch how they respond to another survivor. They're pretty good about, um, you know, having empathy, having compassion, like wanting the person to feel safe in the moment. And so I think taking cues from other survivors will help show
0: you how
1: they need you to respond. Absolutely.
0: And even just if you hear somebody or see somebody on Facebook or social media starting to share their journey, one thing to remember is that that's a big deal to them. It's huge. It's a huge deal. And so even if you don't get it, sir, (laughs) or whatever, one thing you could comment is thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for being courageous. Thank you for sharing your story. Because survivors don't need to tell their story for the rest of their life in this like like, um, like they'll, they'll be able to tell other pieces of their, their life too. You know what I mean? Like they don't, they have other things to talk about, but the fact that they're sharing their story is really important.
1: Yeah. I sense? think some, it makes a ton of sense. I think sometimes survivors or, or responses to survivors online that I have seen is, oh man, I'm sorry. You feel that that's the way that it happened, but here's how it actually happened. You know, maybe they know the person and they're like, oh, you felt that way. I'm so sorry you felt that way. But actually, the person wasn't trying to abuse you. It really wasn't abused or they didn't mean to. And those types of responses as well are not helpful. Right. Right. Okay. what's next? Um, Instead of saying you should give them, the offender, another chance, try, I respect your need for boundaries.
0: This is a big one. Mm-hmm. I have a lot to say. <laughs> what do you have to say?
1: And then I'll share. Um, there's a difference between forgiveness and letting somebody back in your life. Um, it, it is not wise for a survivor to let an offender back in their life. No. Ever. No. Ever. Well, and and they the can
0: reality from a
1: distance.
0: Yeah, the reality is is that perpetrators never have one victim,
1: Mm-mm.
0: and so it's not a mistake. It's not a whoopsie. It's not a oh darn. Mm-hmm. It's a, like who they are, and so setting boundaries with people who you know are perpetrators or have you know hurt you is a super important growth step.
1: Yeah. I think this is a huge issue in our Christian community because of grace and, you know, people can change. God can change anybody's heart. Absolutely. But a perpetrator who is wanting to be around the person that they've hurt or around kids or put themselves in that position, that's not somebody who sees the wrong in their ways of the past. That's somebody who's trying to get back, wiggle their way back into people's lives for a
0: reason. Right. And what I've seen or heard is, in fact, I actually haven't watched this yet, but we should watch that Duggar documentary that just came out and then like assess it. <laughs> Druger, I don't remember their name. I don't know anything about them until this stuff came out. So I'll, I'll learn a lot, but what I see happening is minimizing. So, you know, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, you were only five or seven or, oh, you know. And so that is not helpful to a survivor to minimize. It it doesn't matter if an abuse happened one time or over 10 years, like Mm -hmm. trauma still impacts us on a cellular level. And so to tell people, "Oh, it's no big deal is again, dismissing the pain and dismissing the heart.
1: Well, and I think let's look to it, minimizing what, Josh did at the ages that he did it. They minimized that as well. And it then continued to escalate until now the man is in prison. So I think as well as a parent, even though no parent wants to be in this spot, if your child is doing something inappropriate, don't minimize it. Oh, they're just being a kid. Oh, they're just being a curious boy. Oh no, like this is a serious thing. And for that child's sake as well, they need help and it needs to be addressed. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's next? Okay. Um, instead of saying, it's time to move on, try, I'm here for you. Okay. We did kind of talk about that already. I know what I did.
0: Instead of saying, let me help you try, how can I help? So again, these are really just good tips for good communication mm-hmm. and keeping an open door between somebody by instead of telling people what to do, using the you should, you need, um, you know, all of that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, and let me explain. The reason taking control of the situation in that moment and telling somebody what to do is so difficult for a survivor is because they didn't have control in the moment of the abuse. The, all control, all ownership of themselves was stolen in the moment of abuse. And number one, they don't feel like they even have a voice anymore, that they don't feel like their voice matters. Um, they don't feel like they can make good decisions. I remember back in the day when I thought I don't even know the right way to heal. Like I, 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 literally felt like I couldn't do anything right. And so when somebody comes in and is like, "You need to do this, and you need to do that," and it's against what you're feeling in the moment, it once again you're taking control, you're taking ownership of the of the situation,
0: and the survivor needs to learn how to take that back, right? Right. I remember the first time we started working together, we were working on healthy habits and I was like, all right, I'll come up with a plan and then we'll talk about the plan and you will implement the plan. And so I was thinking about it throughout the week and then we had our next meeting and I said, you know what? Instead of me creating a plan, how about you create the plan that will work best for you and we can create it together? And I remember you just feeling this like. "Ah." Yeah okay, it's not somebody who's telling me what I should do for my own life. It's somebody who's asking me, what do I want? Which I'm sure you are not asked very often, especially when the abuse was happening, of course.
1: Right. Yeah, no, I remember at the end of our conversations always ended with, okay, so what are you going to work on this week? What are, what are your plans this week? What are you going to, you know, how are you going to grow a little bit deeper this week? and not only was it like okay i make i'm make taking control, but I had to stop and think, "What can I do? What is doable this week instead of just taking in your words, I'm having to come up with my own choices in that moment, and that was powerful,
0: right, right? yeah, I think that's a part of taking the ownership back, yeah, is even just saying, what's one small step that I can practice, yeah. And I
1: remember conversations with granny where she would be like, she would already know the answer. And she could have just flat out told me, you know, here's, here's the fix. But instead, she prompted my mind to kind of figure it out on my own. And it took a whole lot longer. It was exhausting probably for her. But in the end, I came to the, to the correct, like the right solution for myself, the healthiest solution for myself. And it was something I came up with on my own instead of being told.
0: Well, and that's how you retrain your brain and retrain your nervous system. If somebody's just giving this, you the solution over and over and over again, you're not training your body and yourself to look for solutions. You're actually learning that somebody externally always has the solution for you. And so it seems like in the moment we wanna give advice or we wanna tell somebody what's the best choice for them or we want to, and even if we have a helpful heart, it's not helpful to the person. It's actually better if they figure it out on their own because then they're shifting their nervous system and their mindset every step of the way.
1: Yeah, I agree. And you're also taking place of the Holy Spirit. Because I mean, you're. there were times when I wanted Granny to give me the answers because that was easier. But through like her provoking me to go to God and listen to him. It made it to where I needed to be still and listen to the Holy spirit. And it strengthened that relationship to where I could trust in what was being told within my heart. Yeah.
0: And ultimately that's where your power resides. Yes. You know, if we can, and that's part of that spark that I always talk about, right. Is really having that heart connection where you can hear the Holy spirit whisper to you, And you begin to really trust yourself again because you know that you're in alignment. Yeah. And it
1: takes time. It doesn't come overnight. But yeah, absolutely. Um, Number seven is instead of saying you need to let go of your anger, try, of course, you're angry. (laughs) Uh, Yes, let them be angry. Their innocence was stolen. A huge chunk of their life was stolen honestly, anger makes sense. Yeah. It's a terrible feeling and you don't want to live in it forever, but there is a time to
0: be angry. Sound yeah. like Ecclesiastes. Again, it's part of like connecting with the heart space. I get yeah. you. I get it. It makes sense. It's not right. It's not fair. And eventually you can say now what, but right now we're we're connecting. Yeah. I mean, hearing that God was angry,
1: over my situation was so comforting.
0: And it's true. Like God gets angry when oppressors hurt little children. And this could be in domestic violence situations. This could be in, um, you know, we've heard a lot about like old situations where there is this brainwashing and the authority figure is negatively hurting the people below them. It's just, at the end of the day, zero people should have their power taken from them, you know, their ownership of themselves taken from them.
1: And I think understanding that side of it too the brainwashing side of it, because that was one comment I heard over the weekend was one of the guys was like, they're an adult. Like they can make their own decisions. I mean, do you really believe this stuff that somebody can like impact how somebody feels or, or chooses or whatever? Uh, yes. Absolutely they can. Just cuz you're an adult doesn't mean you can't be brainwashed.
0: Yeah. I mean that's what grooming is for. Yes. And it's 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 happening all the time because even as adults, right? We want to be loved, we want to be seen, we want to be heard and be, and if somebody comes along and is offering this place where you can be special and a part of something, even adults can be led into that and it can change their whole world.
1: Yeah. And I think that's why people who are addicted to porn, they think they're an adult. They have this choice. They know what they're doing. No, this is a traumatized individual. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, I say often, like I would go nine, I would become a nine year old little girl emotionally, mentally in that moment. And and it's because of the past trauma. And I bet you 100% of uh, adult film workers or, you know, whatever you want to, they were abused because that's where they see their worth. That's the only worth they feel like they have. All right. What's next? Instead of saying you are worthy, deserving, good enough, say, I believe you are worthy. Deserving and good enough, because why do you think
0: that's important?
1: Because trauma survivors often don't believe it. You can say you think I'm worthy or that I deserve X, y, and Z, and those are really hard words to believe when you have been treated like uh, property, you know. and um, but hearing that somebody else believes that about you, like twisting the words a little bit to where I believe that you are worthy because,
0: that, that reaches the heart in a different spot. Yeah. And I think it's the, because that makes a difference. You're not just saying blanket statements. You're saying, I see this quality in you because of this thing you said, or this thing you did, or this thing I've noticed in you, like you're being really specific with the person, which can be helpful for them to actually even believe your words. Yes. Yep.
1: All right. What's next? Um, instead of saying this has made you stronger try this has impacted you significantly okay and why is that helpful um it is kind of frustrating at times when people will will say you know there when people oh i don't even know how to say this but there was a reel on instagram for a while that talked about your trauma made you stronger no wow. god made me stronger in the midst of my trauma you know, it wasn't the trauma that made me stronger. It was God holding me up in the midst of my trauma. It was me saying no to letting it take me down completely. It was, it was the process of getting out of it that made me stronger. It was not what was done to me that made me
0: stronger. Right. Right. And I I think that that's, so instead of saying that, what would you say? What was, what's the alternative?
1: Uh, This has impacted you significantly.
0: Okay. Again, just hitting to the heart.
1: Yep. And the last one is, instead of asking, why didn't you tell me sooner? Say, thank you for trusting me. Right.
0: You can see how the first ones they offer are like, would put up some walls mm -hmm. and how the second option really keeps the space open for dialogue.
1: Yeah. Oh, I mean, I heard many times. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me sooner? Well, I could go on for a long time as to why, but that's I know not- you're like, what
0: do you want wow. me to say about that? Like, yeah. and it, it feels almost blaming.
1: It, it feels like it's,
0: yeah, you're the one in the wrong. Right. And again, you're casting shame because mm-hmm. you're like, that would have been nice if I had, I mean, Jesus, oh, Pete, what you're like, what do you want me to say? How do you want me to answer that question? Yeah. Is so this like, about you? <laughs> right. Exactly. Now she's worried about how you're feeling because, yeah, again. So the goal with these with these tips or thoughts is to create an open space where a survivor can come to you if they want to or feel need like they they feel like you're a safe person because you are keeping that space open rather than judging or blaming or pointing the finger or telling them you should you need uh, this is how I would have handled it. Whatever you're really just saying, I'm sorry that happened. If you want to talk about it, I'm here to listen.
1: Your words matter greatly to a survivor. And what you say in that moment is either going to kick them two steps back or push them two steps forward. And even though you don't want to think your words matter, they 100% do. Absolutely.
0: All right, you guys, Um, we've got to head out here. But thank you for listening today. Uh, Be sure to share this podcast with somebody you know. Uh, that either has experienced trauma or works with people on a daily basis, nurses, teachers. I mean, we know that the population is filled with survivors. And the more that as a culture, we can understand how to support each other on the healing journey. uh, I think the better our entire world will be. Amen. So have an awesome day, you guys, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this powerful episode of Stop Suffering in Silence. If you are interested in booking Rachel to speak at your school, your church, or on your podcast, then please email openblindeyes at protonmail.com. If you are interested in sponsoring a survivor on their healing journey and would like to donate to Stop Sis, then please check out the link in the description box or show notes below, or you can email stopsis at protonmail.com. And finally, if you are currently suffering in silence or you know somebody who is, whether they're dealing with a current trauma or one from the past, then we will always recommend that you reach out to your local resources and find a counselor that you can trust because nobody is meant to suffer alone. Have an amazing week and thank you for being here.